They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, powered by ProWrestlingTees.com. I am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my nasty-as-he-is tag team partner, primetime John Paz. John, you ready to go to Pity City? Oh, yeah, I got that nasty sensation. Yes, all right, and today... Our guest is the Nasty Boy himself, one half of the legendary Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs. And all of the cool things that you've ever heard about Brian Nobbs are true. He is a hell of a talker. He's got a hell of a lot of good stories. And he's definitely one of the biggest guys I've ever dealt with that hasn't pulled any punches. Oh, yeah. Typical of a Nasty Boy, you know, straight shooter, tells it like it is, but such such funny and and you know great stories i mean from when he's talking about steiner brothers to when he's giving a funny story about jimmy hart i mean brian Nobbs is a man great great interview you gotta love that guy oh he's awesome man of course you know when you get a guy who's got a resume such as brian Nobbs, there's stuff that you, know, you want to mention but you just for the sake of time you can't and i definitely feel like we could have kept him on all night and kept going and going and going but i do love one thing, and I wonder if it's going to be the same, but I don't want to put you on the spot. But what was your favorite, um, I guess I could say story, besides the Steiners, because I know that was our favorite, but besides that, what would be your, your favorite tag team story or scenario he told us about? You know what was interesting, because I've actually never seen it, but in Japan, uh, they wrestled the British Bulldogs, uh, Dynamite and Davy Boy, and I, I've actually, you know, being a huge mark like I am, I've shockingly never seen it. And, and you know, they worked a few times in Japan, but that was a great story. It was pretty cool because I was like, oh man, I, you know, I got now I got to search it out and got to get my hands on that awesome match between the Bulldogs against the Nasty Boys. I mean, can you get any stiffer than that? And maybe you get the Steiner Brothers, but I mean, as far as uh, Japan and uh, that era. Bulldogs, Nancy Boys, oof, awesome. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking. See, that's why that's the chemistry of the two-man power trip of wrestling because that's exactly oh, yeah. where I was uh, I was headed because it kind of threw me off because I was ready to go back into uh, the WWF and what we were talking about, and he said the Bulldogs, and I thought to myself, I'm like, well, he never might have crossed paths with the Bulldogs, you know, WWF, and I'm like, and it never even crossed my mind that they would have been in Japan, but it definitely syncs up, obviously, with the – you know, in being in the NWA before they went to WWF, and that was like 89, 90. Um, but and I found this to be, uh, you know, kind of a, the follow-up was that uh, the Bulldogs are definitely uh, apparently not on the same page at that point. So I said I think that the stiffness of those matches must have been off the charts. <laughs> yeah, oh, no doubt. And uh, 
obviously the Bulldogs have, have that reputation, but so do the Nasty Boys. And um, kind of reminded me when we were, you know, we were talking about possibly them being stiff with them. It was reminding me, of, of course, of the Steiner brothers and the Nasty Boys, who had some awesome matches in Halloween Havoc '90s. Anyone hasn't seen it. You go crazy because you got to go out there and see it ASAP because it's one of the greatest types of matches of all time. But Scott Steiner in an interview was saying that uh, you know that there's a few teams that are tough and you know but, you know basically they can still kick all the asses you know so it's the Road Warriors and stuff. But he said one team that was the toughest team um, that they ended up facing was the Nasty Boys, and I was like, oh wow, it's pretty much a huge, huge, huge compliment from Scott Steiner to say like that someone is as tough as the uh, Steiner brothers, and it was, of course, Knobs and Sags from Allentown, PA, from Kitty Kitty. <laughs> yeah, the pride of White, was it Whitehall, PA, what he said at the end, but uh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> true, and speaking of Scotty Steiner, we got to talk about the big Legends of Wrestling Night at City Field this coming Sunday, the Sunday, June 7th, where not only is you're going to get the Nasty Boys, you're going to get Bret Hart, you're going to get Bill Goldberg, you're going to get Ric Flair, you're going to get Lita, you're going to get so many stars from basically every era of uh, the modern era of pro wrestling, um, and Knobs is all, I, shockingly, I hate to say shockingly, but surprisingly, behind all of it. Oh, yeah. he, uh, Him and a couple of partners are, you know, leading the charge, and of course, you got Bill Goldberg, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, I mean, the, the list of names goes on and on and on. If you go to Mets.com slash wrestling or even com, you'll see all the, the the crazy amount of huge, huge, huge names and huge stars that are involved with Mega Show at City Field on Sunday, June 7th. Never hurts crossing the world's prime time, and that is the Mets. And pro wrestling for me, as I walk around the old office here and see every bit of Mets uh, paraphernalia that I can uh, basically look at. Uh, it's great to talk wrestling. It's great to talk New York Mets. Sneak a little bit, a uh, little bit of love in there for the old Metsies. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, as we uh, we wind down here, the Knobs interview is fantastic, and you can go. Please check out our archive. Parts of that are now on our website, which is tmptofwrestling.com. Primetime's going to fill you in on all of the plugs and places and relevant information involving all things two-man power trip of wrestling. So as we head to Nastyville, Primetime, the floor is yours. Yes, two-man power trip of wrestling. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We're putting more and more clips up recently. Put a great up clip uh, from Kane, also from Ken Shamrock, Jesse the Body Ventura, and many, many others. So please check out our YouTube page and subscribe there. Please subscribe to us on iTunes as well. And please, if you can, leave a review. We want to hear some feedback from you, what you think about the show. Also, cannot forget about Facebook. You can like the two-man power trip of wrestling on there. Always good stuff going up on there every single day, multiple times a day, of course. And don't forget about the Twitter machine, at Wrestling Pal and at Two-Man Power Trip. Always some good anecdotes on there from us. And then, of course, the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. On the upper left-hand corner, you will see an Amazon link. Please click on that link 
it will help us out, you know, help us cover some bills from the show. So it would be gratefully appreciated if you did that. We got a little kickback from Amazon. And without any further ado, please go to Mets.com slash wrestling to get your tickets for the big Legends show at City Field on Sunday, June 7th with Bill Goldberg, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Rob Van Dam, and many, many others, including the Nasty Boys, and including our guest right now, the legendary Brian Knobs. Please enjoy. All right. Joining us on the line tonight is a nasty sensation who is a legendary name in the history of tag team wrestling. But tonight we welcome him in to talk about a truly unique event, the huge Legends of Wrestling Night at City Field on June 7th, the home of the New York Mets, featuring some of the biggest names in wrestling history like Goldberg and Ric Flair and Bret Hart. But to tell us more about that, we're going to have to go down to Nastyville, and it's definitely one trip we aren't coming back from because Brian Knobs is joining us today on the two-man power trip of wrestling. Welcome. Hey, what's up, John and Chad? How's everybody doing? Uh, we're doing awesome. We're so happy to have you because there's so much we want to talk to you about. But before we get into the phenomenal career of the nasty boy himself, Brian Knobs, tell us about the Legends of Wrestling night at City Field, June 7th. What do we expect? What are we going to see? And what's going on? Well, you know what? I, I started this thing a long time ago in 2008 with the Tampa Bay Rays uh, in, in 2006, when they got the new ownership, they asked me to be the 10th man, like the 12th man for the Seattle Seahawks. And they gave me a voice. They put videos on the board because every time we played the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees, there were more Yankee fans and more Red Sox fans than there were Rays fans. So, you know, after two years of uh, doing my due diligence of being the 10th man and getting the people all rowdy, uh, uh, we changed that and turned it around. And in 2008, we went to the World Series. And uh, that's when, you know, this all came about when uh, the office asked me, would I like to do a wrestling night with Major League Baseball? And I said, for sure, that would be awesome. And we drew so many fans. We had Bret Hart there the first night. Uh, we had, uh, I mean, Tatanka. We had uh, Brutus the Barber, Greg the Hammer, uh, Luke Bushwacker. I mean, uh, Jim the Anvil, Lightheart, you name it, they were there. And uh, I thought, hey, this would be a good idea to do in other places. And, uh, you know, so from then on, uh, starting in 2008, we started going to other Major League Baseball teams. And uh, in 2013, we had a heck of a show down there in uh, the brand-new billion-dollar stadium that the Miami Marlins have. And actually, this year we're doing one. July 31st, we're doing the Legends of Wrestling Night. And it really, uh, you know, it comes together. It really does. I mean, when they're, they're playing a team, and it, it, it helps increase revenue uh, because, you know, you got a different aspect here where wrestling ain't the center stage, but it's kind of the, the side of it that, you know, all these guys that grew up that the people love – like the Hacksaw Jim Duggins, the Kevin Nashes, you know, the Ric Flairs, the Bill Goldberg, Bret Hart, you know, 
uh, Scott Steiner, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know, uh, Action Smash Demolition. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, Greg the Hammer Valentine. You have Hall of Famers, Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart, you know, uh, and people like to really, you know, sit down, get autographs, have meet and greets, and, and you know, one guy throws out the first pitch, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real family-friendly, uh, you know, uh, come-together kind of event. But uh, this one is different. This one in June 7th is different because the Mets wanted to do it as just a, a wrestling event alone, so we kind of made it like a festival. So this time, you know, you've got the autograph sessions going on. You're going to have, uh, you know, a picture uh, taking going on where, you know, people are in the ring at different times where you can, you know, before the matches start, uh, you know, you can have different uh, – People come up, you know, take pictures of uh, your famous superstar, and there's a meet and greet, and, you know, there's just all kind of uh, different things happening, uh, question and answers uh, by, you know, different groups like uh, Bill Goldberg's on one with RVD. Uh, we're with uh, me and Sager with one with Scott Steiner where we can, you know, just uh, sit there with a bunch of, uh, you know, people that uh, want to ask us a bunch of questions and, uh, you know, it's a true family-friendly event that is like a WrestleFest. And then we're putting on wrestling events. And from three to five, there are we're using the independent wrestlers from around the area, from Boston, New York, the best of the best, and giving them a chance. You know, everybody needs a chance in this day and age since there's only, you know, not too many leagues you can go to anymore. Because when I was growing up, there was, you know, there was a lot of different little leagues you could go to and at least make a living. And now there's only one. And the great WWE, which actually I got to give their, them props big time because without the WWF, which, way, which they were called, the Nasty Boys wouldn't be the Nasty Boys. They were stamped, you know, you know, we got our, our leg, how can you say, legacy stamp when we won the belts in WrestleMania 7 off the Hart Foundation. But this is what it's kind of like. And uh, so from three to five, there's going to be independent wrestlers. Guys are trying to make it up the ladder, trying to get to the developmental school down in the WWE or trying to go to uh, if TNA is uh, still doing something and Jeff Jarrett has a, a lead, he's starting up. So it's, uh, you know, it, it shows their talent. And that's who we're going to have from three to five. But that's while that's happening, there's also going to be, you know, a dunk tank with some of, uh, you know, some of the heels in there that you can, you know, splash in the big dunk tank. There's pictures going on, like I said. There's autographs. There's meet and greets. There's all kind of stuff going on. And then at 5 o'clock, the show starts, and we have six straight matches. Actually, we added the seventh, and Greg the Hammer Valentine's going to be walking uh, Drew Anderson out. Uh, and Drew Anderson calls himself uh, Greg the Legitimate Son because they kind of look like, some you know look like each other, but anyway, uh, Drew's from the Drew's from the area, and you know it's just spotlighting the independent wrestlers from the area of New Jersey, Boston, New York, and around the area that's been busting their butts for a lot of years, and maybe get some attention from a big show like this, you know. And then when the big show starts, we got uh, you know. Of course, the Nasty Boys have to wrestle, and we're wrestling. Uh, there's a reunion of the Aces of Eight, uh, good old uh, Mr. Anderson and Mike Knox and 
Gallo and Bristol are getting back together, and they're putting them jackets back on again. I don't know why, because I'll have to <laughs> probably wipe my butt with one of them. But anyway, uh, me and Sire are going against uh, Knox and Anderson uh, in a City Field, New York City street fight match. So anything could happen there. You know, what can I say? And you have um, uh, Tyrus or a.k.a. Bodus Clay going to be there. Uh, Matt Bourne, who is now uh, Mr. Striker, you know. I mean, there's, I mean, there's uh, different guys that can't, you know, use the names and don't want to get in trouble, if you know what I mean. But uh, got a lot, lot of good young talent and, of course, the legends from, like I said again, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know, the Nasty Boys, of course. RVD is going to be there. Big pop of pump. You know, uh, so it's going to be pretty crazy. You have uh, uh, Curtis Hawkins going to be there. You have uh, uh, Gallo and also uh, Evan Bourne, but he don't go by Evan Bourne now. He's with the Ring of Honor. But you got guys from each league, from TNA to Ring of Honor, to guys that were in the, you know, from the WWE back in the day. And we're mixing the whole batch together, and it's going to get crazy. And a lot of uh, celebrities are supposedly uh, coming out. I don't want to reveal anything yet because, um, you know, it's going to be a surprise when you see some of the celebrities, uh, not wrestling celebrities, but uh, actually entertainment, entertainers uh, that are coming out to this show. And uh, Bill Goldberg knows a lot of people, like myself, like Bret Hart, like Ric Flair, and you never know what's going to happen when you put that bunch of guys together. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and that's one hell of a night of baseball. It's uh, one hell of a night of wrestling. And, uh, you know, I guess what – how is it putting that together? Because, you know, like you said yourself, that's a hell of a group of, of talent to, to amass into one full event. Now, how, from your point of view, is it getting this whole thing organized from start to finish? Well, this – I must say this one was a little bit more difficult because uh, the Mets wanted it without a baseball game. And usually we do it with a baseball game, but the Mets are out of town this weekend and they wanted the event without the Mets there. And we're going to, you know, uh, have that on Sunday. And then I told everybody, you know, when we were talking it over, we should have it earlier so, you know, the, the family and bring their kids and everybody, and if they have to leave, the show ends at 7, so you still have enough time to get home and be home at a decent hour. If you have to go to work the next day or, or the kids have to go to school, I don't even know if school's still in, by June 7th up in north, down here, it, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, I think it ends somewhere around the uh, end of May. I think it might be over already, but uh being from Pennsylvania myself, I'm an Allentown, Pennsylvania boy, me and Sags, uh, you know, we know that uh, school always ended later for us, sometime in June. So, But we wanted to make it an early event, and there's a lot of things going on that weekend. And this is the uh, day the Mets picked to have, and we thought, hey, let's do it. Let's go have fun, and let's bring a bunch of my rowdy friends together and have a good time. We have, you know, uh, Amy Dumas coming in. And, you know, a.k.a. Lita, uh, we have uh, Ashley. She's going to make an appearance. Uh, you know, Greg the Hammer's going to make an appearance. You know, you have Demolition. You have Tommy Dreamer. I mean, uh, you know, the, name, the list goes on and on. I mean, 
and you don't know who's going to get involved in the match. You don't know what's going to happen. We have some matches already, you know, written out that are going to happen. But right now, everything's kind of like, who's wrestling this guy? Who's wrestling that guy? Well, I'm just going to tell you, come on out June 7th, and it's going to be one heck of a time because it's going to be a lot of fun, first of all, and it's going to take you back uh, a little, uh, you know, in wrestling history, the way it used to be, the way everybody, you know, went out there and worked their butts off and entertained the crowd and had a great time, you know, in the sport they loved, which is pro wrestling. And I'll tell you, and the one, I don't know, because he did a ton of press uh, a couple weeks ago, was Bill Goldberg up in uh, New York. And uh, what do you think it is about Goldberg that people still just get into a frenzy about, that he hasn't wrestled in America since 2004, and he does always tease that final match coming about at some point. I know Scotty Steiner definitely had some uh, colorful things to say about trying to get Goldberg back into the ring, but what is it about Bill Goldberg that still sends the fans into an absolute frenzy to want to see this guy compete? Because he's the real deal. Bottom line, you can't say no more about Bill. He, you know, what he says he does. And uh, he did a lot when, you know, he was back in the day, and he was the only one to have a streak like he did. And, you know, and what he says, he comes out and usually does, and there's never no BS with Bill Goldberg when he says he's going to come and give you the, you know, the jackhammer. You're getting a jackhammer, you know. <laughs> so if you're getting a spear, please, by God, have an ambulance ready. But uh, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, not only him, but then he got two legendary WWE Hall of Famers with Bret Hart and Ric Flair. And, and I mean, just them three alone, topping the bill, you know something's going to, you know, go wacky and go crazy. So it should be a very exciting, entertaining night for everybody. Now, you're speaking of the real deal, and something that comes to mind when I think about the real deal is two of the stiffest, toughest wrestlers from Allentown, PA, and that's the Nasty Boys. Can you just talk about how the Nasty Boys came together as a tag team, you and SAG? Well, uh, you have to go way back for that. I'm, I'm showing my age now. You know, you get you caught me off guard. It's, you know, we used to be, we played Little League together when we were 10, and I'm 52 now, so i I known that man for 32 years, and, uh, he was first base, and I was left field in Little League, and they used to throw him in the dirt because they knew Sag couldn't stretch far enough, so they would hit the dirt and hit him in the mouth. And the first time I met him, he had not he had some of his tooth. Not the whole tooth was missing, but half of it was gone. And I said, what happened? And he said, my brother shot it out with a BB gun. And right when he said that, I knew I'd be friends with this guy for life, you know. So, And uh, we've, we've known each other since we've been playing Little League, and then Back in the day, uh, you know, he went had a scholarship for football, and I was in the army. And you know, he, uh, you know, didn't get to the the top spot in football because he hit the hall monitor over there with a keg of beer. And then I had to do something when I was in the army and, and punch my sergeant. So we were both back home again, and our good friend Matt Millen, who played for the Oakland Raiders and San Francisco Giants and Washington Raiders, four Super Bowl rings, 
And also, uh, you know, he was the GM of the Detroit Lions for a while. Didn't do a great job there, but when he was on the field, he did a fantastic job. Took us aside and said, hey, you guys, when we got back home, me and Sag were getting crazy with a couple of our buddies. And he said, do you want to spend your, you know, time in jail and, and end up, you know, being an idiot and wasting your life or, or try something better and do something better? And then he said, came up and said, Nobs, you always loved that pro wrestling. Why don't you guys try to get into that? So then we went ahead, and at the time in Allentown, they used to have uh, the television there for the WWE, or back in the day, the WWF, and we bought, bugged and bugged the heck out of George the Animal Steel. And he finally, you know, was so mad at us, he called me up and said, meet me down at where they were staying at the Quality Inn, which was right there by where we lived. And we both had to work, so we couldn't make it. Here I found out later on when we made it in the business that he had uh, Jimmy Schnooker, Bob Orton Jr., and somebody else there to stretch us, you know, because these you know these young kids bugging to get in the wrestling business. But when I called him and said we couldn't make it, he called me back and said, if you're really serious about getting into pro wrestling, you go to Vern Gagne School of Pro Wrestling in Minneapolis, and uh, Matt Millen was our reference, and that's where we started. In 1985, we went up and went through camp and uh, went through wrestling school, that is. And in wrestling school back then is nothing like wrestling school is today. You definitely got punished, and you definitely got uh, beat up a lot. And we were trained by Brad Reagans, who was an Olympic champion. He won the bronze medal in 1976. We boycotted 1980 Olympics. And in 79, he beat the Russian for the gold. And then he went into pro wrestling. And Vern Gagne made him as his trainer for the uh, you know, pro wrestling school. And uh, in 1984, he went back to the Olympics and coached Jeff Blackman to a gold medal for Greco-Roman. But, you know, when we went into school <laughs> or camp, we always called it camp. For the first three months, we were on Olympic wrestling match. There was no ring. There was no. We were getting thrown around. It was like an Olympic training unit there, you know. And I was like, after the third month, I was going, "Where's the ring? This ain't what I signed up for," you know. So, you know, but uh, we got through it. And then after that, it wasn't right to wrestling. We drove the ring truck. We drove the ring truck for six to eight months. After that, it was refereeing. After refereeing. Then you finally get your chances being your first match where you, you know, wrestle and uh, usually get your butt kicked. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, we, we we went through the mill. But back in the day, uh, th- their mentality was respect. You have to have respect for this business. And it really taught us about uh, the pro wrestling business. And not only that, it taught us about respect for this business. And I think that's a lacking a little bit today uh, because, you know, you know everybody's politically correct and you can't do this and you can't do that. But I think uh, the way they used to have it uh, really helped a lot of people and, and superstars in this business. I mean, let's face it, the first time uh, Hulk Hogan went down to Eddie Graham's camp, uh, Mansuda, uh, broke uh, Hulkster's ankle, you know, uh, first, first day, boom, just on purpose. And that's... Uh, that's the way it used to be, you know what I mean? Because he's a big guy coming in, and they just try to show you. The bigger you are, the harder you fall, and, you know, it's all a respect thing. So, you know, and I think it was really good for the business, and, and I think that's 
missing a little bit, but, you know, you got to change with the times. Just like football, baseball, basketball, wrestling's got to change too, and I think everybody today is doing a fabulous job out there, from John Cena to Randy Orton to my good buddy Seamus. I mean, uh, you know, they're all doing a really good job and, you know, keeping it alive, man, keeping the dream alive. If I can go back to that Nasty Boys for a second, obviously you guys were in Tennessee, you guys were obviously mentioned the AWA, you guys were in Florida, you guys are dominant, but the first thing that comes to mind when I think of the Nasty Boys is probably my favorite tag team match of all time, Halloween Havoc 1990, brutal, stiff, awesome, awesome match against the Steiner Brothers. What's your recollection of that match, and what's your recollection of working with the stiff uh, Rick and Scott, the Steiner Brothers? Well, you know what, uh, Believe it or not, that, that that match right there is the one that got us to the WWE because we got called a week later. But uh, when we first got in there, nobody wanted to wrestle the Steiners. They were, you know, supposedly hurting people and, you know, throwing them on, you know, every which way but loose. And cause let's face it, Ricky and Scotty are the real deal. They both are national champions from uh, – you know, Michigan, they went uh, collegiate wrestling. They played football and they, you know, wrestled. And, you know, they knew what the heck they were doing when they were in there. So when we got in there, they said, hey, we're going to put you against the fighter. And me and I said, great, because you got two barroom fighting fighters, brawlers, you know, going against guys that know what they're doing collegially, wrestling-wise, and can flip you on your head any second, any time. But, you know, we like the physicality, and you know what? We never had a problem. We had the greatest matches at that Halloween Havoc match. They said to us, you know, you're going 25 minutes, and, you know, me and said, 25 minutes with the Steiners, this is going to be good, you know, and it turned out to be one of the greatest matches. Uh, we used to hear that a lot, and uh, we were really proud of that match, and we both gave it all we had, and we really became – we bonded after that match. We really bonded. We already had matches before, and we were the first ones ever to lay them out. I don't know if you know that, but we had, like, our, you know, contract signing in the ring for the belts, and we smashed them, smashed them with their belts, you know, smashed them through the table, and that never happened before back in the day. You know, not very seldom, but, you know, it happens a lot now. And nobody let the Steiners lane, and we did. So, I mean, it, it built even more, you know, uh, that people wanted to really see us get our butts kicked because at the time the Nasty Boys were truly the Nasty Boys and one of the most hated tag teams and uh, it, it all worked out great, man. It, it you know I got the Frankensteiner and it looked like it took off my head and you know uh, thank God I you know got out of that move without any injuries. But uh, I just watched that match the other day and uh, I still think it's one of the best matches out there and, and just not because I'm in it. But it was a real brutal match, and we both gave it all we had. But it was, you know, you could tell. And just like you said, you, you could tell we were really getting each other. There was, there was no pulled punches in that one. That was a total uh, straight-up uh, war, if, you want, if you, you want to know the truth. Oh, yeah, I absolutely love that match. And then, obviously, you went to WWF, but if I could just stay on to uh, WCW for a second, you came back to WCW, and you had some other great matches. I mean, you had a great view with Harlem Heat, the Blue Bloods, uh, even the Stud Stable was great. But there's one team in particular I think you guys meshed well with really, really well, was uh, Public Enemy. 
I knew you were going to say that. Yep. I'm, I'm so, I wish them guys were still here, man. I, I really miss them. It's a shame that Rock <laughs> Rock and Johnny Grunge ain't here no more. It really is because we became good friends with them. But we had some awesome matches with them guys. I mean, and they could take some punishment too, just like we could. So, uh, that, them were brutal matches. Are you kidding me? We <laughs> everything in the you know because you're taking ECW guys and well, I don't think we were in the ECW, but we never were. We knew Paulie dangerously really good, and when we did the WCW back in the day, he was like our manager there in the beginning. But uh, we never were in the ECW. But it was a good match because it put pitted them who were like hardcore, you know, uh, you know, kings at the time in ECW doing all the stuff they were doing with two tables and that against us. And then the, the matches turned out really fantastic. And, you know, I miss them to this day. I miss both of them guys big time. Yeah, th- those are some classic, classic matches. Those are a lot of fun. And also you guys had, had a, a pretty cool feud with Hall and Nash, the outsiders at one. What was it like? being backstage with the NWO and, and is, you know, all, all these rumors actually true. Did they really have as much uh, political power as everyone says that they did? Well, you know, they, it, it, it was what it was, but we knew Scott from day one. So it was different for us. We knew Scott back in the days of 1985, 86, when he came to AWA as big Scott Hall you know, and he had, like, the magnum look and, you know, the cowboy look, and then he was tagged with Kurt Henning, and Kurt Henning was a mentor of ours. So Kurt Henning, like, mentored Scott, me and Sag, Shawn Michaels, you know, Marty Gennetti, you know, uh, he was our, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, was our, like, guru, if if you speak, you know. So we already knew Scott for, for a long time, so... We didn't have no no problems with him there, you know what I mean. So, but when we got you know got there and we were doing different stuff, things happened, and uh, you know, uh, as everybody knows, you know, things happened in the back. And, you know, Sag got hurt, and and from then on, you know, uh, you know, everything kind of gets you know out of hand a little bit, and then you know, Sag's neck injury, you know, kind of took him out of the business for about five or six years in our prime. So, but you know what? To this day, still no ill will, still love Kevin Nash to death, and still love Scott Hall. You know what I mean? And I pray for Scott every day that everything goes good, you know, because he's been through a lot of tough battles, and he's one tough man. I'm telling you, he's been through a lot of stuff, and he's one of our boys, you know, because there was a little group of guys back in 1986 that all stuck together that were the younger guys, and it was, it was you know, Scott, me and Sag, uh, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, and, uh, you know, we were all kind of stuck together, and Kurt was our uh, mentor. You know, I don't know if he was a good mentor because he taught us how to do all these ribs and all this stuff that got us in trouble, and me and Sag and the Rockers always got blamed for everything. <laughs> That's a hell of a group, though, to put together, the Rockers with the reputation that uh, preceded them, the Nasty Boys, and Kurt Hennig uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, I guess twirling the pots must have been a hell of a time uh, with you guys. Oh, definitely. Are you kidding me? It got us fired from the AWA twice. <laughs> 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 now, with working, you know, working with the Rockers in the AWA, you know, 86, 
And then you, when you got to the WWF, it was one of the teams that I really didn't work with too often, but towards the end of their run together, you guys kind of synced up again. But what was the difference in uh, working against them, you know, when they first got kind of in, into it as a team together and then later on in the WWF? No, we always had great, great times with uh, Marty and Sean. And we had some of our best matches with them because we uh, we liked each other and we could trust each other. And they, they, they're the ones that innovated the, the, the tag team in where we were like brawlers, but they were the ones that had the different maneuvers down that you didn't see before, you know, the double leap frogs, double drop downs, double hip tosses, then a double elbow pop up, hit the other guy. I mean, a lot of double stuff put together, and that was put together by, you know, Sean and Marty at the time. And you didn't see a lot of tag teams doing that kind of, you know, tag team stuff like they were. And they were innovators in, in the tag team world, that's for sure. And us, we were the more of the brawlers, but we were – fantastic together. I still remember a match against them guys that still holds out in my head and it's on one of the the old Coliseum videos from WWF was us against them at uh, Royal Albert Hall and we were the heels and the champions at the time and uh, uh, what, a, what a great match we had. You know what I mean? It just was we just clicked and, and, and you could see that when, when you're in with a you know, uh, group that's either you're learning from them or you know, maybe be a little bit older than you in the ring or just about the same and you get along. Uh, you can see the work that goes into it when you're in the ring and how smooth it works and, and how good everything looks. I mean, you know, we had some great, great matches, again, with Harlem Heat, with Booker T and Stevie Ray, and, and they were another great tag team. I mean, we went against everybody from the British Bulldogs. I mean, let's not leave out the Heart Foundation. Come on, that's who we beat them for the, you know, we just didn't beat no, nobody's in WrestleMania 7. That's what made the Nasty Boys our legacy and stamp. We beat them for the belts. And, and you know, they were the Hart Foundation, man. Jim the Anvil, Mightard, and Brett the Hitman Hart. And, and you know, and let's not forget about one of the toughest tag teams ever, the Road Warriors. I mean, we went against some tough, you know, SOBs. And I wouldn't even put out the, the bushwhackers in that. They had their way about things, but, hey, you get your, your, your behind, your ass bitten, you know, a couple times a night. <laughs> and, and you'll feel like, what the hell's going on here? You know, what am I in here? You know, I mean, even even the bushwhackers. I mean, Butch, one tough SOB, Luke, same thing, you know. And I was so glad to see that they went in the Hall of Fame this year. You know, the head shrinkers. You know, Sammy and, and, and Rikishi, you know what I mean? I mean, at the at, he wasn't Rikishi at the time. He was fat too, but we had, some, we had like that first wild food fight, street fight match in, in one of the first draws in Poughkeepsie, New York. We had, I had mustard in my ears. I, I was digging mustard out of my ears, you know, for like two months. I was like, what the heck's going on here? Because we had all the food. They had the, you know, we went right into the concession stand and, Oh, it got crazier than hell. But uh, we had a lot of good times down in Tennessee, too. You know, because Tennessee with Jerry Lawler and uh, uh, Bill Dundee and, and Jeff Jarrett and, and his dad, uh, Jerry Jarrett, you know, uh, Jerry and uh, uh, Lawler were running the territory, and they threw a lot of weird, crazy matches at you. So, you know, we learned, and we're one of the few tag teams that knock on wood that are still around and and – 
doing our thing, but we, we grew up in almost every league and every little independent, and you know what I mean? And you don't even call them independents there. They were actually leagues from Florida Championship Wrestling to Mid-South to South Atlantic to the NWA to the WCW to WWE. Yeah, I mean, I mean there was, you know, AWA, you can't forget them, world-class. I mean, Kansas City, uh, uh, Bob Geigel had a, a territory, and uh, uh, they had a territory out in Oregon. So it was uh, it was quite the run back in the day. There were a lot of different places to work and a lot of different places to learn and learn different styles, especially when you went over to Japan. I mean, you know, we, we even faced the British Bulldogs. And I'm telling you, that's one team that you didn't mess with because Dynamite, he could go, brother. Dynamite and Davy Boy, they were they were one of the most uh, you know greatest tag teams out there, and and uh, they could throw you every which way but lose too. You know, and actually, by the time you would have faced them in Japan, then they were kind of nearing the end of their run together. So I'm sure uh, they might have been even more. Uh, I guess if you could even say if they were even harder hitting, because I don't think they were really getting along towards uh towards the end there but just to dial it back a little bit to what we were talking about that match against the rockers at the royal albert hall was the kickoff match to that card which has the memorable battle royal at the end won by davy boy smith which they touted for years which you were also in but a big factor in the nasty boy's success in the wwf was jimmy hart can you talk about syncing up with him and the role he played in your career at that point well, I, I consider him, you know, and we had different managers along the way, but he's our true manager. He's the one that took us to the top, and and he's he is definitely uh, one of the best managers out there. Uh, from all the managers, he is in the top five for sure. You know, from Captain Lou Albano to Bobby the Brain Heenan. I mean, you got a lot, you got a lot of different managers out there, but Jimmy Hart. And he's still out there, and he's still he's the hardest-working man in show business. That's what I call him, and he still looks fantastic. I won't say his age. He'll get mad at me, but I'm just telling you, <laughs> he still looks fantastic, uh, and he's still out there doing his thing, and he loves this business, and he was a true manager for us when we first, you know, broke into business. And it was so funny because the first time we got to WWE, he goes, all right with you guys, and you know, uh, we, we'll get a room together, and, you know, he helped us out, you know, so we were all three rooming together, and and uh, he went with us 10 days, and the 10 days are over, we landed all in Tampa, and he goes, Master Boy, baby, baby, I love you, I love you, but, uh, you know, you can handle it from here, I got you started, but, uh, you know, you get, you, you're riding this, so he lasted 10 days with the Nasty Boys, and we weren't rooming or riding together no more. <laughs> <laughs> but then were the crazy days. What can I say? <laughs> now, when you were working in Memphis, did that kind of inspire, you know, your hard-hitting, almost like hardcore before hardcore was cool style? Because, you know, Memphis back then was uh, very wild and very open. No. All, all, all Memphis, I got to give it to Jerry Lawler. We were dressed in, you know, we came out in ladies' raincoats, black, like, like playtex, but it looked leather. Then we had these uh, spandex gold tights and long boots and like uh, the Olympic, uh, you know, double-breasted deal you wear. 
And he's the one that said, hey, you're supposed to be nasty boys, but you don't look nothing like you're from the streets or anything like that. And then me and Sag said, you know what, you're right. So me and Sag went out, and we were the first ones to kind of start to cover up. You know, no one's covered up their bodies, but, you know, and our bodies, were, our arms looked great, but everything else didn't look that great, so we could cover everything else up. And if our arms got any smaller, we would have just wore long sleeve sweatshirts. You know what I mean? So we started to cover up in the splash with the nasty boys and, and the sweatshirts and all that. And the only thing I didn't like is he, you know, he painted our face, and that's one thing I didn't like is that was the Road Warriors trade gimmick. So we got rid of that after we left, you know, down there. And we kind of ended it even before we left uh, mid, Mid-South. But uh, we didn't like us painting our faces because we didn't want to be considered the Road Warriors. And we came into camp with these haircuts. So talk about bold. Everybody was going, Road Warriors, Road Warriors. And at the time, we didn't even really know who the Road Warriors were because we got the WWWF. We were from Allentown, PA, so you didn't, we didn't get much AWA back in the day or NWA. You got WWWF, you know, from – you know, I've been watching since, uh, you know, it was Abisto and Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales and Bruno San Martino. I'm, I'm talking all the way back in, the, in you know, in the 70s with uh, Mr. Fuji, uh, uh, Professor Tanaka, you know what I mean? So – I've been a big fan for years. Chief J. Strongbow, you know, how can you, you know, rule him out? I mean, you know, so we were definitely big wrestling fans growing up in the business, and we, you know, got into something we love, and I still love it. The only thing I dislike these days is there's really not too many places for the younger guys to go work, where when we were growing up, if you were good enough, there were other places to go work to hone your craft become the very best in what you do. And nowadays there isn't that. You got a lot of independents out there where uh, some guys are teaching some guys what to do and how to do it. And they may not have, you know, the proper skills to be teaching that even though they think they do. And back when we were getting taught, you had to, I mean, in, in the, down in um, Louisville, uh, not Louisville, but uh, Louisiana, you had watches, you know, territory with Jake the Snake and JYD and, you know, Hatchell was down there and, you know, you had the, the Von Erichs in Texas. And, I mean, you had a lot of different territories where you go. You had a lot of good places that had great people that could teach the younger guys how to work. And today I think that's missing in the wrestling business. But, like I said, everything changes and you got to go with the flow. Definitely, definitely. And thinking about um, the Nasty Boys in particular and thinking about a certain place that maybe the Nasty Boys should be, and that's perhaps the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, obviously, the Bushwhackers were inducted this year. What do you think about 2016 Hall of Fame, WWE, inducting the Nasty Boys? That would be the final honor in the Nasty Boys legacy to get, uh, you know, actually inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. That would put the, the ultimate stamp on our careers, and we are getting older. Like I said, me and Sag are both the same age, we're both 52, and uh, that would be the honor of all honors to get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. So I hope you guys are out there rooting for us and, and sending, you know, emails. Or uh, I'm, I'm pretty uh, computer illiterate. I'm still old school. I just got my first smartphone about a year ago. 
I just got it because it's, uh, you know, the notebook and the Galaxy notebook, and it, it's big, and I can actually read the letters, and I can talk my Texas. So that's actually why I got it. It's not because of all the special effects on it, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it would really be the utmost honor if we were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, as we wind down here, just have to, we always ask, you know, especially, you know, legend like yourself, do you have a favorite match or matches, or is it maybe even that awesome Steiner Brothers match? Uh, the favorite match, uh, there's two of them. Uh, the Steiner Brothers match, but the number one match is against the Hart Foundation WrestleMania 7, because that's what made the Nasty Boys. And remember, they're on what, WrestleMania 31 now? They're going to be 32, yeah. 32? Okay. We were in WrestleMania 7. Seven, and we were in WrestleMania 8. Okay. We were supposed to be in WrestleMania 9 and something came up and then we, we got kind of knocked out of our position there. But we were in WrestleMania 7. That's like going back to the Super Bowl and saying, I was Dick Buckus. I was Ray Nitschke. I was, you know, uh, Joe Namath, you know, for the first Super Bowls that were Super Bowl, you know, one, two, three, four, five. You know what I mean? But we were in WrestleMania 7. Now they're up to 32. I mean, that's a long time, man. That is a long time. And, and we helped, uh, you know, build a foundation for, for wrestling. And, uh, you know, without the fans, we'd be nothing. It's all about the fans. And uh, when we go to these comic cons or even go to different shows, uh, you can tell. I mean, uh, the love the fans still have for us. So that shows to us that we did something right. And that's why, you know, I got this thing going uh, with the Legends of Wrestling. And, you know, I got Goldberg involved and uh, two other partners, which is a, a good friend of mine who's a, a lawyer that he's from back home. But actually, I trained him to wrestle. Frank Santini calls himself the Grease and Uncle Louie. And, uh, you know, we built a little team together, and we're trying to expand this to, you know, not only the Major League Baseball, but NFL, uh, NBA, uh, you know, even the NHL. Even do just if it's just meet and greets and, and other things, just to, you know, stay active and stay out there because the fans still want to see us. I mean, they, if you, if you, you know, at a Comic-Con and people come up to you, so many people come up to us and say, your era, your era, your era. I hear that so many times, and it was different. I mean, we had the Hacksaws and the Jake the Snakes and the Rick Martells and the Road Warriors and, you know, uh, Big Boss Man, and you just the list goes on and on, Mr. Perfect, and everybody was different. I mean, every, you had different costumes, you had this and this, and the tag team situation was different. You had different tag teams. You had a, a array of tag teams to go against. You know, power and glory. I mean, I can just go down the list of how many different tag teams there were. And another thing was the managers. There was tons of different managers, you know, slip. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you just go that, you know, look at see the managers from Captain Lou on, on Mr. Fuji. I mean, you, I mean, you just, you just think about it and you see how many great managers there were. And, you know, in that aspect, uh, that's missing a little bit in the, wrestling business today, too. So, uh, you know, uh, anyway, uh, it's all it's all good. I mean, you know, I, I always will love wrestling. 
you know, I watch it. So watch the, the WWE and, you know, turn on periodically and see the, the guys I know, like uh, John Cena or, like I told you, Sheamus or, or Orton Jr. Or, or somebody that I know, Big Show, somebody that I know, and they're doing a match. I'll, go, I'll, I'll watch it, you know, or just watch, see how uh, Booker T and his commentary is doing. And, you know, so it's all good, man. It really is. And, you know, I mean, I learned from the best. I had very good teachers from uh, Hulk Hogan to Roddy Piper to, you know, Rick Flair. I mean, you don't get any better than that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, that's, you know, right in our wheelhouse of fandom, too. I mean, those those were the glory days. Those were the good old days. But back to you real quick, um, you've had so many memorable opponents. I mean, to list them again would be crazy, but, I mean, just so many awesome, awesome tag teams at that point that the Nasty Boys wrestled. Do you guys have a favorite opponent that you guys wrestled? You know what? People ask us that all the time, and, and I can't I, – I have a I have a couple. I can't just name one, but I have a couple from from uh, the Road Warriors to the, you know, Steiner Brothers to the Hart Foundation. I mean, Harlem Heat, Public Enemy. I mean, you cannot just put them into one because we had fantastic matches. I mean, even – you know, like we were talking about the British Bulldogs. I mean, come on. I mean, they, they were still fantastic. They weren't, you know, they were still in their prime when we wrestled them in Japan. That was a tag team tournament. I mean, we went against a lot of, you know, good tag teams back in the day that, that made a name for themselves. And, uh, you know, even the Bushwhackers, man, they had their own crazy little style. But, you know, and it's hard to just pick one. It really is. Now, one thing that always uh, was curious um, to me, you know, besides in the ring, was that in a pseudo kind of way, I guess Greg the Hammer Valentine is your brother-in-law. What's he like, you know, out, outside and away from the ring? Is he as, uh, as you know, as, as crazy and stiff as he was in the ring, outside the ring? He's real calm. He's, he's, a, he's a mild-mannered guy, believe it or not. In the ring, he's an animal, but when he's out of the ring, he's, he's, he's really mild-mannered. He's nice. Everybody's scared to go up and talk to him, and if you go up and talk and say hello, I guarantee you he'll say hello back. And if you ask him about different matches, he'll talk to you. You know, he just, you know, uh, everybody's scared to go up to him because he has that growl look on his face that they're scared to ask him anything. But he's a very good man and a great brother-in-law. Awesome. Now, now the last question we have for you, and I guess it could be either both. It could be you or the Nasty Boys as a whole, but. Just if you could kind of give us an idea, what do you say at the end of the day when the book closes, the legacy of the Nasty Boys and Brian Knobs will be on the wrestling business? That they were great tag team wrestlers. They were a bunch of brawlers that came up from the streets of uh, Whitehall, PA, and uh, made their dreams come true. And every time you saw us out there doing our thing, there wasn't too much of that F word going on, which is fake. All I'm getting fake these days are fake body parts. Does that proves that I gave everything I had in my heart and soul when I was out there to make sure the fans enjoyed themselves and make sure, remember, it's pro wrestling. This ain't a kitty match. So if you got stiff, you got stiff. Take it, suck it up. And I think that came from us. You know, wrestling the Steiners in our first big, you know, angle back in the day. And even the Rockers, you know, we had a good 
a run with them early on in, in Mid South and and in AWA. So you know, it was uh, we had we had a good experience. So it's just that we gave our all and we were always stiff and solid, and everything we did was usually real. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. But Very, all right, so the big city, city, brother. Don't forget about City City. Don't, yeah, never. And and we never want to experience it either, but let's not forget June 7th, the huge Legends of Wrestling Night at City Field. Nobs, thank you so much for coming, but tell us where everybody can find everything there is to know about Brian Nobs on the old internet. You know what? Uh, You go to, just go to, look up YouTube or look up uh, uh, Google Brian Nobs with one B, K-N-O-B-S. And that has a lot of my, you know, stuff coming up. I, I do got a website coming out, but I, I didn't, you know, start that yet. I'm still the old schoolish guy. But right now, just go, or you can go to legendsofwrestling.com. Uh, that uh, has a bunch of uh, things on it about me. And I have a Facebook page, uh, Brian Nobbs. Just go to Brian Nobbs, uh, and you'll see that I'm on there. And I got a Facebook page, and uh, come on, check out what I'm doing. So um, no, I'm telling you, without the fans, we wouldn't be nothing. I really appreciate it, and I hope everybody comes out. You know, June 7th, you know, uh, there's a meet and greet, a special meet and greet from 2 to 3, and then everything starts from 3 to 7, and there's all kind of stuff going on. It's a big wrestle fest, and if you want to, go to Mets.com slash wrestling for tickets, and you'll see all the different packages they have, and come out. This Sunday, man, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. As you know, the nasty boys are going to be involved. It's going to get a little bit nasty. Somebody's walking down Nasty Boulevard. So let me tell you, the Aces of H reunion might get cut short because Mr. Anderson's head might be stuck up his ass after, you know, this whole thing's over with. 